This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues that shape our lives with your guides, Dr. Matthew Jacoby and DJ Payne. Matthew, you've, you've arrived here for the recording of Thrive Perspectives and you've thrust down a topic. I have. And you didn't even want to talk about no, it. No, I said, let's talk about it on this. Let's, <laughs> let's keep... For Thrive Perspectives, I feel Thrive Perspectives are very different to Thrive Deeper because Thrive Perspectives, I feel like the show is the show. Right. If you know what I mean. What, what, you know, I, what we talk about the show happens on the show. Why don't, why don't I like the word show? <laughs> Because <laughs> can we call it something else? Well, what it, an episode, <laughs> whatever. Episode? No, call it a show. That's a, fine. A publication, <laughs> an edition, whatever it is. Um, and you've given us a topic here. What happens when we die? Mm. Where did this come from? You're thinking about death. Well, uh, well, it came, um, it came up because someone asked me recently about a friend of theirs um, passed away, and mm. they asked me, well, what's going to happen to them? Great question. And, uh, you know, are they, you know, they didn't, they didn't believe, you know, are they really going to go to hell? Yep. And it's a good question. It's a great question. You know, and, and so uh, I thought we'd talk about that. That's always, always a good question. Mm. All right. Now, and uh, okay, we're going to get into that. And as you, you did text me that, it's not like, you know, I don't want people, I I don't want people to think that. I gave you a bit of warning. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want the people to think that the preparation of Thrive Perspectives is Matthew literally just rocking up and throwing something at me. I'm not that clever, but he did text me. And so I've been doing a bit of – now, trust me, we're going to get into why I've done this homework. Yeah. All right? So this is to, sort yeah. of to set things up. The biggest religion in the world is uh, – Well, Christianity. Yes, Correct. I, I thought there was some kind of no, trick no, question, no trick question, question no, there. You're no, looking no, at me like uh, no trick question. I just want I just want to sort of set this up into people's minds. Two and a half billion people, over two and a half billion people, yeah. come under the umbrella umbrella of Christianity. Yeah, and and according to 2015 publication called The Triumph of Faith by Rodney Stark, yes, uh, the fastest growing as well. Yeah, yeah, and it, particularly it, it, the evangelical because um, a mainstream. Traditional denominations are in decline, but evangelicalism is uh, growing like wildfire. And I want to I want to get into that in a little bit there, but I want to ask you. You know, I know you're going to be able to get the first few pretty easily. Number two, what's number two on the hot religion charts of the world? Uh, you've lost me. No, I don't even understand the question. What is the second biggest religion in oh, the world? The second biggest religion, uh, Islam. Yes. Yeah. One point eight billion. Okay. You know, and and very very you know on the up, upswing. Okay. Now tracing the roots of both of both of these religions, they would come under the umbrella of, um, you know, Middle Eastern Abrahamic yeah. tradition. Yeah, that's right. You yeah, know, type of thing. Yeah. We now go to a different country for number three. What is the third biggest religion? Um, uh, with one point two billion Hindu. Yes, Hinduism. 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 We now drop down radically in size to 520 million, roughly, practitioners of this. Again, coming from India with a little bit of Chinese in there as well. It is the religion known as... Oh, we're at fourth now. Yep, number four. Taoism? 
Uh, warm. Buddhism. Buddhism. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Now, um, I don't want to. I won't. I won't drag this out for many. You know, I know you're fascinated. Yeah. <laughs> you're actually getting into this now. Uh, yeah, I am. And, and <laughs> yeah, I say Taoism because I read something recently about Taoism on China, and I wondered whether well, it was bigger than Buddhism because I think Buddhism well, has been in in decline somewhat. Buddh- yeah. But it, this is where it gets very difficult because when it comes to China and Buddhism and other th- other religions around China, they're mo- very much blended. People will hold yeah, multiple true, yeah. faiths in the thing, and so, you get all the you get the Westernized version. Exactly, of people say, oh, "I'm a Buddhist." And yes, they, a lot of people don't even really know what Buddhism is. It, but it's just a it's, it's just a, a fashion. Thing. It's yeah. a fashion thing. Number five <laughs> is an, is an unusual one because it's actually not a religion. In the fifth biggest religion, it's this is this uh, uh, four hundred million people is what is called folk. Religions, yeah. Okay. So the folk, the folk practices, and that could be anything from a form of Catholicism, you know, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, Catholicism, all the way through to Chinese, you know, veneration of of former, you know, uh, yeah. ancestors, everything like that through folk. Then we drop right down to 150 million practicing people in China of Taoism. Yep. Uh, Shinto in Japan is 100, 100 million. Yeah. Falun Gong. In China, yeah. 90 million. And then from India again, for 30 million people is Sikhism. Yeah. Sikhism, which is a, which again, fast spreading. Now, this is very, we're now down to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, coming at number 10. Yeah. 17 million practicing people around the world. Judaism? Bang. Another Ab- Abrahamic. Yeah. 17 million. Yeah. That is tiny. Mm. But it's, but, it, Again, I would have thought it was more than that. Yeah. So, so, but again, we're not talking about the amount of Jews. This is the interesting thing about Judaism. Yeah. We're not talking about the number of Jews around the world. Ah, we're talking okay. about yeah. Jew, people who practice, <laughs> yeah, Judaic, yeah, yeah. you know, Christian, yeah. uh, Judaic Christianity, Ju- Judaic uh, religion. Yeah. Uh, Confucianism comes in there. Baha'i is in there as well. Baha'i actually falls under, uh, with seven million people and growing, Abrahamic religion. Yeah, because it, it's a mix. Yeah, it's a mix, mm. and it comes from Persia, and you know, and then uh, rounding out the bottom here, as far as the ones that are in the over five million, six hundred, sure. six million in Vietnam, Vietnam is the Kaodism okay. religion, which has only started a hundred years ago. Okay, yeah, I'm waiting for you to get to the point. Okay, my point uh, with all of, of this, all of this. Sorry, my point with this in looking <laughs> at these religions is each one of those, yeah, believes something entirely different. Happens to us when we die. Yeah, some of the some of those religions <clears throat> believe in hell. <clears throat> Most don't. Some of those religions believe in you know uh, uh, an eternity with with God and rewards. Yeah. Some of most of them don't. A lot of them believe in reincarnation. Yeah, and some of them just say we don't know. Yeah, like Ju- Judaism. The, the Jewish, you know, people who are practicing mm. Old Testament Judaism, most of their practices is we don't actually know what happens mm. when you die. We hope you go to the Creator. Uh, some of them actually believe that you go spend time with Moses. Other other Jewish people believe that there's a type of purgatory. Mm-hmm. Um, and one uh, one tradition of uh, Jewish belief, Jewish you know faith, is that. Heaven and hell is the same experience, mm. depending on what you did on this life. So heaven, you in the afterlife, you listen to Moses teaching the law, 
And for those who hate, mm. you know, Jewish people and Moses, it's hell. Right. And for those who love Moses, view. it's yeah. So there's some really bizarre views about what happens when we die. Yeah. There were in the first century, um, with some a slight differences though. That there were some fairly mainstream Jewish beliefs about the afterlife, and yeah. in, uh, in Francis Chan's book, uh, which is called A Raising Hell, which is a book that I uh, read during the week. Um, he talks a bit about these and, and points out that, you know, to a large extent, Jesus is referring to those and yep. kind of giving his stamp of approval to those in some sense. A lot yes. of that was based on reflections of Daniel 12. In Daniel 12, it says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake some to everlasting life, otherwise others to shame and everlasting contempt. Um, and so, yeah, that, that he's... Um, Basically picking up on that. So mm. look, but we'll get to that. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just <clears> fascinated. And <throat> yeah. then again, we don't even, you know, I could break it down even in within Christianity. What is yeah. un- underneath the umbrella of Christianity? Yeah, there's some differences there. As there well. is yeah. huge difference. I mean, the biggest difference being is that the largest Christian denomination in the world is the Catholic Church. Yeah, with over a billion yep. Catholics in the world. Yeah, and the Catholic tradition. Is, has purgatory, purgatory, which yeah. is totally foreign to our, you know, yeah. our biblical way of thinking. Yeah, that's right. And, and because there isn't really any hard, fast evidence of it. No, that there, there are a couple of places where they say it might be alluded to. Um, you know, like for example, where Jesus says, either in the, you know, it, either in this life, in this age or the age to come. I mean. Anyway, they're very slim. They're very, very slim. You've got to do one of them. Actually, is from the books of Maccabees, so it's from a a, a apocryphal book. So that's a very widespread, Uh, you know. And then even even I know I've been spending a bit of time with uh, some lovely friends who are Seventh Day Adventists. Yep. Seventh Day Adventists uh, believe in soul sleep. Mm. That when a Christian dies, uh, you know, because the Bible talks a lot about. Christian death or a saint's death as sleep. Yeah, metaphorically. Metaphorically. Or even I believe even specifically, and this is where I would would part ways with my Seventh-day Adventist believers, and we'll get into this, Mm. what actually happens. I believe that when the Bible talks about sleep, it's specifically talking about, if you look at all those references, talking about what happens to our body. Yeah. You know, and this is, and I think, I think the first thing that we should do in this discussion, Matt, is is to actually say what happens when we die. Yep. What do we mean by we? What are we? Yeah, that's a good starting place. In fact, that's the that's the logical starting place in order to understand death. We've got to first understand a theological perspective on death, Yeah. which means we then need to... Uh, ambulance going by, yeah, as that, I say that. That's that yeah. not a sound effect. <laughs> uh, we... Uh, we need to then understand also something about a theological view of the human constitution. So yes. what what are we made up of? Yeah. Now, according to the Bible, there are two basic aspects to our human constitution. Yeah. There is our soul slash spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, and there is our body. Yeah. Okay. So we have a spiritual and a physical aspect to our being. Now, soul and spirit are mostly used interchangeably throughout mm-hmm. Scripture. Yeah. Um, we, uh, you know. We could say that maybe they refer to slightly different 
they're slightly different perspectives maybe on, on the same basic thing. We really can't be scientific about this is the soul and this is the spirit and the spirit I, is I in the soul. I agree with you 100%. Or, you know, and, and there, you know, I think I've read a lot about that kind of thing and it's far more specific and scientific than, than, Bible, the, Bible, than the yeah. Bible warrants. And I, I think there is something, the only thing, because again, I went down the same track as a yeah. teenager trying to figure out yeah. what we are. And the only thing I walked away with was saying that maybe a different way to say the word soul when it comes to a biblical way of thinking us, thinking about who, what we are, yeah. is our will. Mm. You know, maybe, maybe like the, the, the spirit, yeah. like we are a spiritual entity, <clears throat> yeah. but maybe that soul, you know, people yeah. like to say yeah, about possible, the soul, yeah. is who we are. And, and I'm like, yeah, but really when it comes to it, it really is what we can be sure of is that we are a spirit. And we are, a, we are a physical body. That's right, yeah. And I think Christianity is different <clears throat> about our discussion about what those two make up of us. Yeah, so um, so the, the, the view can often be misunderstood as a kind of a ghost in the machine sort of idea. And this yep. was something that, um, that Plato thought, the Greek philosopher Plato. And because of Plato, it's become quite... Um, popular that that view, but it's also popular in Eastern a lot of Eastern yeah, that's right. as well. Hinduism, yeah. Buddhism, and everything is that the physical world is sort of to be shunned, yeah, because the true thing is the spirit, and the spirit con- continues living yeah. on and on and on. That's right, yeah. So this degradation of the physical, which was very much a part of uh, Platonism, uh, means that the ultimate state uh, is a spiritual state. Mm-hmm. Now the problem with that from a biblical point of view, is that God created the physical universe and it was good. This is contrary to the Platonic view. Yeah. Uh, so, so creation, physicality actually is good. And, um, and it's, in fact, the goal of creation is physicality. We yep. are to be resurrected mm-hmm. with bodies that are spiritual, but not in the sense of incorporeal or non-physical, but spiritual in, in their sense of quality yeah so um it, it, and it's funny that at the at the same time on our sister <laughs> podcast i'll, I'll yeah. call it there our sister in the word using the word you don't like in our sister show yeah. uh thrive deeper yeah we're going through the book of revelation yeah and i tell you what you know the 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 point like the yeah. uh, getting to the end of the book of revelation yeah. it is all about the 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 um glorification and the final sanctification of if all the stuff, all the physical yeah. stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Finally bringing it all together. All together. Yeah. So the, the idea here is that God created human beings to be body and soul, not as not soul in the body as a ghost in the machine, but um, what has been referred to, one theologian referred to it as conditional unity. It's like this sense of um, complete unity, and he uses the example of like a metal compound, like stainless steel, okay. which is a, you know, which is a, a compound of certain metals, mm. but it's only separable under certain, you know, yeah. under certain conditions that you have to create to separate these metals. And so, in that in that il- at all. in that illustration, the 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 certain condition that separated our two <laughs> alloys or metals yeah. was the fall. Yeah, that's right. The fall, so the, of, fall of Adam. Right. And that death, that spiritual death, separated the two That's entities. right. So theologically, that's what death actually okay. is. Yep. Theologically, death is this state that actually God doesn't, did not want for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we were created um, conditionally immortal in the sense that we had the opportunity to be immortal yep. um, by you know eating from the tree of life or um, and, and all that that represents. So we... Um, 
we are in a state of mortality now that God didn't want for us, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. death therefore is not was not part of God's original yeah. um, desired plan for us. Mm. So the separation of body and soul, contra Plato, is not a desirable thing. It's something to be reversed. Okay. And of course, Jesus reverses that. Yes. He conquered death. Yep. And therefore, the ultimate goal for us is the resurrection of our bodies mm-hmm. and to live in a new heavens and a new earth. So uh, that's, an important, uh, that's an important perspective. So that's like the bigger view. Theologically, when we look at all of this yep. and what we do as a Christian and what we do biblically looking at it. So coming back to that original question now, yeah, right, yep. I suddenly choke on this microphone. <clears throat> I yeah. fall over dead, you right. know, blonk, blonk. Let's let's talk about just if I may say just one addition okay. To, okay, to the to this idea of um, body and soul being mm. completely unified. Mm. It 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 explains why because some people discard any idea of a soul based on the fact that you can have a brain injury and it can change your personality, behavior, yes. mm-hmm. even moral behavior. Yes. Now that's based on an idea of a ghost in the machine. You know, idea of the soul. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, but with this this absolute unity means that soul and body really are are, are one. We we can separate them theologically, and and death separates them. But it means that you know the soul works with the body and, and the brain and the cells and all this sort of thing. So uh, I think that's an important point. But ultimately, ultimately, it it works like that. It will work like that one day. Or is it working like that today? Well, it's working like that now. Okay. Uh, but not perfectly. What, what, but not perfectly, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, whether in a, I mean, I, there's, I, don't, I don't think there's any reason to doubt in a new creation that we will still have brains and, yeah. and you know. And, Physical and all, form. That's right, and, yeah. and that, that will still work. So, okay, good. Let's get to the question then, what happens uh, when we die? So mm. death then is the separation of body and soul. Um, and so... And at no point do we lose conscious experience. Now, we talk about you losing consciousness. Yes. Um, however, even beyond consciousness, there's no reason to think that we stop experiencing what's happening. Yes. In fact, um, there's a lot of evidence that we actually do continue to experience what's happening. And mm. this is where we get to the common occurrences of near-death experiences yeah. or even post-death experiences that are quite common. Yeah. Now, there's a number of, I mean, there's so many books written about this because there are so many cases of people who, you know, for example, die on the operating table, Yes. Uh, accounts where they can look down and describe everything that's happening. Yeah. Uh, in, in one case that I read, actually a person even went, uh, looked in at the hospital, the whole hospital actually, and looked down to the car park and the side of the hospital yeah. and was able to describe things that happened even oh, outside. There's a, there's a shoe on the ceiling. Yeah, that, and there's that's a, right. There's a ball, red ball over there. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, and you know, I mean, um, uh, we, we we have no reason to doubt that those experiences are, are true. In fact, yeah. theologically, um, it would be expected. Yep. That because there is this separation of body and soul. So n- near-death experiences, I think, and the, the frequency of these near-death experiences, I think, confirm this. So we don't base the argument on this, but it certainly confirms the yeah. fact that there is this enduring uh, conscious experience. Mm-hmm. Then, can, can I put a yeah. little tiny asterisk on this, yes, on this part? Yeah. 
because, like you say, there is amazing studies both done by uh, different religious backgrounds, yeah. uh, Christians and non-Christians, yeah. scientists and yeah. you know non-scientists, uh, new age people. A whole bunch of myriads of studies have been done about near death and, as you said, post-death experiences. Yeah. Um, if if you're interested in that type of stuff, go look, go go have a look. There's some amazing stuff, but find the authors who are going to filter those experiences first through the word of God, mm. you know, and then, and then, you know, or explain them via the word of God, because there are so many books that have been written out there that are doing the opposite. This is my experience of when I died, I went to heaven and Jesus had blue eyes and blonde hair. And he showed me a warehouse where all the, you know, babies are kept before that, like just crazy, no offense mm. to anybody. And then, and then you're, you're supposed to impose those beliefs on top of mm. scripture. It's supposed to be the other way around. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I've I look. I've read some crazy stuff yeah. out there too. I have yeah. to say, but I, I've also read some accounts that I think. Uh, oh. I have no reason to doubt. I'm the same. You know, I'm the same. So um, I've, I've absolutely, met... you need to be discerning with that. Yeah. Look, when it comes to actual near death experiences, most of what I have read hasn't come from Christian. So it's actually a lot of it's written by doctors. Yes. Who. Uh, who you know, like surgeons, and whom it's happened to their patients, and so yep. they've collected mm-hmm. all of these anecdotes and, and so forth. So um, uh, there are, yeah, there, there are just so many, uh, and you know, it's interesting. It's interesting stuff. What happens after that is a greater mystery, though. Yep. Fr- from from that point of view, however, it's no mystery to the Bible. Yeah, and and the point that you're making, and let's just bring this back because uh, you know, I really don't think. For most people, it's going to be um, a great use of your time to run away and study near-death experiences or, you know, those type of mm. things. I'd rather people study yeah, the Bible yeah, yeah. and what the Bible has to say. But um, my, in you mentioning that, the only reason you're mentioning that, tell me if I'm right here, Matt, is just to say, hey, it backs up the fact that yeah. our consciousness yeah. continues on. Yeah, there's that's not right. a, There's not a... Oh, I then went into a Yeah, that's a, a right. Which indicates that sleep. It, it indicates that you and I are more than just... Physical, yes, um, and you know there have been various uh, attempts to explain that in a purely reductionistic physical way, but I think that's unconvincing given the the you know how often this happens and the kind of circumstances that pertain, the things that mm. these people are able to describe, you know, happening, and, and I just don't think it can be explained. Another double little asterisk, two little asterisks is here to go down into yeah. into the footnotes. The reason why they're getting so many cases in the last 100 years, or it's ramping up. If you have a have a look on a bar graph of people who are having these experiences yep. going up and up and up and up and up, is because our physical technology, yep. our, our ways of bringing people back, yeah, you know, from the That's dead right. almost, you know, people reviving people, the yep. drugs that we use and the medical facilities that we have is yep. getting better and yeah. better and better yeah, and better. That's and exactly better. right. That's so exactly right. That's why we're having a lot of these people's yep. coming out and saying, "Hey, this is what happened to me." Yeah, that's right. So. Um, after we die, we pass into what uh, theologians refer to as the intermediate state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is pretty much across the board, uh, except for in the Adventist, you mentioned the Adventist tradition. Now, the difference in the Adventist tradition is that they don't believe in the existence of the soul. In Adventists believe that we are just physical. And they would ground that in what appears to be the Old Testament view, mm-hmm. um, because there's not a lot of evidence throughout the Old Testament, um, particularly the earlier materials, 
I think there are some indications, but um, there's plenty in Psalms. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, the Psalmist I think talks a lot about living forever with yeah, the Lord and being forever. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, anyway. but th- there there are ways that they would interpret that. So yes. I, I believe I think there are indications. Uh, of that, I, I do also think that there is an element of progressive revelation as well throughout the Old Testament period. I think there are some things that become clearer as you move on. Mm. You know, God reveals things progressively, right? Yeah. So, uh, it, it's to me um, the fact that something's not talked about in the Old Testament, particularly the early parts of the Old Testament, does not discount the fact that it, it might be real. And, yeah. and I mean, they refer to. You know, Book of Ecclesiastes, which talks about you know death. You know, we all go to the same place, and and but, I mean, nah. it's it's a different perspective. It's not yes. doing theology. It's it's you know making um, observations about you know about the futility of life, and and from yeah. a in a sense from a secular perspective, in some sense, yeah. you know the the futility argument. So, um, uh, but they make the point, and I think they. Adventists would say, and I want to fairly, um, I want to fairly represent this view because yes. I have lots of um, dear Christian Adventist friends, and yes. I respect them immensely. Um, uh, they would say that it actually is the influence of Platonism. Uh, well, I mean, Plato actually got his view from I think it was uh, Pythagoras. I think his view of the soul. Yeah. Um, but in, in any case, they would say it was a Hellenistic yep. idea. It was part yep. of the Greek uh, culture Greek that, that gradually seeped yep. into the Jewish way of thinking because there's no doubt that um, by the first century, Jewish rabbis believed in the existence of the soul. Yeah. Um, however, I don't think that they get that from Hellenistic influences. Um, you know, I think, um, I think it's there in... The Psalms, as you said, mm. uh, I think it's there in a number of different places. So uh, I, I don't think you can you can uh, disregard that so quickly. And certainly, I don't believe there's any doubt it's taught in the New Testament. It's yeah. very oh. very difficult to um, discard uh, the belief in the existence of the soul from the New Testament and again, evidence, which is so abundant. And again, just to, just so people uh, understand exactly what we're talking about, so you're using the word soul and spirit. We're going to be using that word interchangeably. Interchangeably, yeah, that's right. Whereas the Seventh-day Adventists talk very clearly about the soul. You know, when we die, we, we go into a soul sleep, like our body... Until the resurrection comes, we, we sort yeah, of like... Yeah, like, so the... So, okay, so that that's a good point, yeah. So uh, maybe I should be using the word spirit. Yeah. No, um, no, no. I think it's like you yeah. said; it's interchangeable. Yeah. You know, just but just, again, I don't want a Seventh Day Adventist. Like I said, like our dear friends who are Seventh Day Adventists, I don't want them to listening to this going, "Hang on, you're misrepresenting what yeah, I believe." Because yeah. the, there is a sense in which they believe in the soul, but the soul is the self. Yes, is me is yes. me myself. Yeah, and that goes into a sleep until one day when we are resurrected yeah, and then we're awake. Yeah, because it's not disconnectable from the yeah. body in any yeah. sense. Yep, yeah, that's right. So. Uh, so, so this is where w- the intermediate state is this state in which we, the, bo- the, the soul is separated from the body. Now, uh, it's called the intermediate state because remember I said it's not God's final outcome for us. Mm. The final outcome we're taught in the Bible is the resurrection, the yeah. day of resurrection. So um, this is when we are reunited with our bodies mm. and are raised up and, and we live in a new heavens and a new earth. So we... Um, 
we have this period called the intermediate state, which is a state when we go to be with the Lord spiritually. Yes. Or if if we have rejected God's claim on us during our lifetime, then we uh, go to well, we go to hell in a sense, uh, in a sort of provisional sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and hell is this state of separation from God, and, and perhaps we'll talk about hell separately uh, yeah. a little bit later on. But but the right from the start there is this div- there is this division. It's clear evidence of a division uh, here. So maybe I'll uh, have a read some. This would be a good point to read some Bible verses. Yeah. Um, just put my glasses on. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, um, so. Uh, for example, um, in Revelation chapter 6, it talks about the souls of the martyrs under the altar. Yes. Um, again, they are spiritual. They're, and, um, you know, Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me mm. uh, in paradise. Paul says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, this is an interesting one, um, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Uh Third heaven, because of there's like the the firmament, the yeah. out the universe, universe, and then, and then he's talking about the spiritual, spiritual heaven, heaven. Uh, because they use the word heaven in three different ways. Whether it was known, wh- whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows, and I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. But God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things. So there's something interesting. You know, Paul has this amazing. And, Paul, and experience. Paul's talking about himself. He's talking about yeah. when he says, "I know a man." He's talking about himself. Yeah. So um, he's, he talks about this state of paradise. Okay, mm. So on the one hand, there is the thief on the cross and there is Paul having this experience of paradise and that is going to be with the Lord. So it, it is described for those who belong to God as paradise. paradise. Yep. It's described as being with Christ. Paul says in Philippians 1, in Philippians 1, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, yeah. which is far better. Um, he says in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, this is Paul again, therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We're confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. You see what's happening yeah. here? Yep. Um, and, and I don't think he's meaning this in, in a platonic no. sense, um, like... Uh, you know, there's no degradation of physicality here. No. Um, he's just saying that that the the point that he's making is that it's better. Actually, when we die, we enter into something better. Yeah, it's, because it, we have, in a very immediate sense, with the Lord. Now we're with the Lord now, and Paul was walked with God yes. then, right? Yep. He walked with Christ then. Mm. Um, but there's, in a very special sense, he says, "But when I die, mm. I'm going to go and be with the Lord in a very immediate." Sense in in the sense of being with the Lord is paradise. Yeah, it's gain. That's a really like it's it's you know. And again, he Paul and the other disciples and even Jesus himself continues to use the language. And I think it's a language of the Psalms. It's in a Jewish language. Yeah, of the fact that we're we're not here. This is not our home. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're looking for our rest. We're looking for yeah. our promised land. Yeah, we're looking for our home, and that home is only with God, only yeah. with Christ. Yeah, that's right. And that's and that's the image I think continues that Paul sort of really expands, and is really finally finally dealt with perfectly in the Book of Revelation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then of course on the other hand, uh, we have those that don't uh, that have rejected God, and. Um, there is uh, there is this 
hellish experience, and, and again, I mean, the word hell is, has so many connotations, and we're going to speak to that uh, okay. at some point um, in, the, in, in this show, <laughs> as you like to say. Uh, well, let's, 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 let, me, let me read from Second Peter chapter 2, okay, okay. Uh, and, and we'll just close off the intermediate yep. state. Um, it says, for God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell. And it's interesting, it's, it's translated hell from the Greek word Tartarus, mm. interestingly. Mm. So, interestingly, this is an idea that, wa- that was already in, in, Gre- in Greek thought. Yes. This idea of uh, an afterlife. Now, this doesn't mean that the New Testament buys into all of the elements of Tartarus that no. come with it. Um, however, it does buy into the general idea. And, and so the, and uses, so the, and uses, and uses the, common, the word, the common okay. word. Yeah. So he sent them to Tartarus, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment. Yeah. Okay. Now that's intermediate, isn't it? So there. So um, it says in verse nine, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment, whilst continuing their punishment. Oof. That's the intermediate state. Uh, for those who have rejected God. Okay. And it goes on to say this is especially true of those who follow corrupt, the corrupt desire of the sinful nature and despise authority. These men are springs without water and mist driven by the storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. Okay. So it's heavy stuff. All right. Let's, uh, on, that, on that note, on that heavy, heavy note, I want to ask you some questions about what this, what, what do you mean by intermediate? Uh, what are we talking about? Hell? What is the final, you know, you know, yep. uh, our final destination, everything, yep. and how that shapes us. So let's take a break right now on Thrive Perspectives, and we'll be back in just a moment talking about what happens when we die. DJ here, interrupting your Thrive Perspectives to let you know that we have got our live Thrive Deeper episode 100 coming up this coming Thursday, July 23rd. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. 100 episodes of Thrive Deeper and we're doing it live on video. If you've ever wanted to see the two jokers behind the voices, this is your chance to do it. All you have to do is on Thursday night, the 23rd of July, mark your calendar down, put a reminder in your phone. On the uh, on the 23rd, you head over to thrivetoday.tv. Thrivetoday.tv. Now, we are hard at work behind the scenes trying to do a big refresh of the website. In ready for Thursday night, thrivetoday.tv. We've got some exciting stuff to uh, to uh, debut for you as well. And it's all going to kick off on Thursday the 23rd at about 8pm Melbourne time. About 8pm Melbourne time. That's 6pm uh, Perth, 10pm in uh, Auckland, New Zealand, if you're over in the, uh, in the uh, NZ. About 10pm on Thursday. If you're in London... It's 11 a.m. on your Thursday. If you're in New York, it's 6 a.m. 
And if you're in LA on the west coast of the USA, I'm sorry, it's a 3am start for you if you want to watch it live. Now the video is going to be out there, we're going to put it up later on, uh, you know, on the website, but we're also going to be uh, putting the episode out as per normally audio uh, on the Thrive Deeper podcast feed there, episode 100. It's as simple as that, July 23rd, this Thursday night, thrivetoday.tv, and make sure you head over there on Thursday, and hopefully, if we can uh, get all our ducks in a row, we'll have the refresh of the website for you there. We're so excited to be doing Thrive Deeper 100, and we're only doing it because of all your support and help over the years. So uh, tune in and watch as we get through. (laughs) It's going to be fun as we get through the live, live edition. All right, now let's get back into it with Thrive Perspectives. Thrive Perspectives, it's DJ and Matthew here. We're talking about what happens when we die. Matthew, I think we've given a great foundation and overview of it, mm. uh, you know, and, and but you've been using the word intermediate, you know, as, yeah. as we before we went to the break, you were talking about what happens because you're talking about what happens now in this particular I hate to use age. these words, yeah. but age or dispensation of time or this yeah. particular as as we're living in in the time of post Christ's death on the cross, yeah, and before and when we, we're intermediate, Matt, what is the fi- like? There's a final, yeah, you know, finality well, not, of all things. It's not just because it's post Christ. I mean, this would be the same. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's this whole period, pretty much, uh, the, the, pretty much the whole. The whole and everything before the day of resurrection okay, is so, the intermediate state. So this is this is great. I was hoping we would get into this because some people uh, believe in Christ talking about the story of uh, Lazarus, yep. the beggar, yep. and uh, the rich man. Yeah, that they that he went into Abraham's bosom. Yeah, and some people would believe that that was a pre-Christ holding place. Yeah, where the 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 those with Abraham and those could see across a chasm into hell and to see Lazarus, you know, you know, yelling out yeah. to him. You're, you're, if you could only see the look on Matt's face, <laughs> you know. But that, but there there goes a belief with that that at the time of the, the cross, God that that Jesus went down and yeah. took captivity, took those people who were waiting and took them into. Speak There's a lot that. of gap filling yes. there to, to come up with that view. I, I think um, it's just simpler to say that Abraham was in heaven because Abraham trusted, you know, Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. Yes. I mean, you know, because of his faith, Abraham was uh, was with God. Yeah. I mean, look, I, now, I, I, now that, I that actually is a crucial part and I think it's worth saying something about this parable because it's in some many ways quite haunting. Mm. Um, so it's the story of this beggar and this rich man, and they both die. And the um, it says here um, in, in verse, this is Luke 16, verse 23, uh, in, in Hades, uh, the realm of the dead is mm-hmm. the Greek word for the realm of the dead. Yes. Uh, where he was in torment, 
the rich man looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip his finger in the water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted and you are here in agony. And besides this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Okay, It's very specific. I mean, what we learn from this is there is a finality to this state. Uh, it's, It's not something... That can be uh, that can be remedied, and that's an important idea here. Now, um, the presence of Abraham, because a lot of people sweat over this. Oh my goodness! If all the rich are going to hell and all the poor, uh, you know, yeah. are going to heaven, that's not what it's saying. And I think the presence of Abraham there is a key indicator yeah. that you don't look. Abraham was a rich man, yeah, a very rich man. Mm. Um, the the reason why Abraham was there, why? Because of his faith, yeah. And if we entrust our lives to God, yes, then we belong to God. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's. I think there's a cultural thing here as well. The fact that it talks about Lazarus being in Abraham's bosom, yeah. I think that is meant to mean, if we look at culturally how people of that era yeah. ate together around very low tables, we yeah. see the same thing at the Last Supper. Uh, we have, you know, John. And Judas and Jesus all sitting together, yep. reclining at a very low yep. table, and and John being in Jesus's bosom, yep. you know, type of thing. It's a, it, and so the sense there, it's actually meant to when we when the people of the time heard that, yep. they didn't see a a sign on a door saying Abraham's bosom, yep. like we imagine, yep. like there's a chart on the wall with this particular. Yep, yep. Thing. They imagined. People reclining around a table, and Lazarus literally laying yeah, into Abraham yeah. and being that close yeah. with the patriarch. Yeah, you know, so it's a different. Oh, it's a beautiful picture. It's actually. a beautiful yeah. picture, but it's not. I don't think Jesus was giving us that picture. The purpose of Jesus telling us that story yeah. is not one of. He wasn't saying, "Let me tell you what the afterlife is like." <clears throat> he, he was yeah, saying, that's right. Yeah. He was saying, "This is what is is for how you're supposed to live now." Yeah, that's right. So. Yeah. And the and the other the other thing I want to throw on top of that, because again I grew up in a church yeah. where people you know real a lot of people actually believed this type of tradition. Yeah, I always would come back to them and said, "Hang on, on the Mount of Transfiguration, you know Moses and Elijah turn up, mm. and Moses and Elijah a are known to yeah. Jesus, yeah, and Jesus knows them, and what are they talking about? They're talking about what is about to happen. Yeah, now." Jesus didn't materialize them out of Abraham's bosom, yeah. and they go, whoa, whoa, whoa what's going on? <laughs> that, it, it, there's yeah. an amazing picture there that before Jesus was incarnate as a human, yeah. that he was spending time with Moses and Elijah talking about this plan yeah. in this in, yeah, that's you know, right. in that yeah. time in paradise, and then they are here to talk about it even further. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. It's, and it's a beautiful. Well, it's it's interesting. Someone once asked me about ghosts. Yeah. Do, do we, as Christians, can we advocate the idea of ghosts? Okay. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Me, listen, I, I personally do not believe, you know, scripturally I don't believe in ghosts. Uh, I believe that the um, phenomenon of ghosts uh, might be easier easier explained as you know spiritual entities. Yeah. You know that that are happening, and usually most of them are of a de- demonic. Yep. Nature that people okay. experience. If if you want to talk, I mean, there's a couple like the you, you're bringing that up because of Moses and Elijah. Well, 
Yeah, and, and also there's the story of the witch of Saul and the witch of Endor yeah, when and he, she brings up Samuel. Yeah, and that, and that the, the, the sense of that, and again, there's a few different ways of looking at that. I think we've talked about this before many moons ago, is that she was actually terrified that Samuel had actually shown up, that God yeah. had allowed God had allowed a, a living, you know, a, a, a for, an actual person yeah. to come, come forward. Yeah. It, I don't think the sense of that text there about Samuel is that this was a common thing, mm. that they were able to bring back people who had died. You no, know, no, 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 that's right, yeah. yeah. And yet, however, Samuel did in a sense turn up. And, and yes. I, don't think, I don't think we can say it was an evil spirit or, no, no, or no. something necessarily. No, I believe that, he, that God, God allowed yeah, that so happen as a mirac- that's miraculous right. thing. So, so, in, so it is possible yes. then okay. for... The living to have encounters with the dead, and I want to put this on. You're you're really uncomfortable because it, I'm just saying it's possible. I'm not saying it happens all the time. Yes, yeah. I'm just saying it's possible because it happened then, yeah. and and you know Jesus meets with Moses and Elijah, so yes. there's a sense in which they turn up. Uh, are they the only times it ever happens? Uh, has ever happened? I mean, uh, I don't necessarily think it is. Look, the other, the only other thing I would say now we now we're treadling onto thin ice. Yeah, no, we, yeah, yeah. I, I think we're treadling onto thin ice as far as sound doctrine and theology no, no, well, goes. Well, I, but but I love thinking about this because in the light of in the light of the Book of Revelation, yeah, there is definitely a sense of, and the light even of yeah, Moses yeah. and Elijah, that those who are in paradise, who are there waiting with God, yeah. know what's going on. Yeah, there's a sense that they know what's going on, and I would even say that the Book of Hebrews. Sort of gives us a sense of that as yeah. well as, as talking about the cloud of witnesses. Yeah. Now that there's a sense of that is the cloud of um, you know the patriarchs that have gone before us, but it also has a sense of those who have who they, they're sort of cheering us on because they know what's going on. Yeah. And I think there's a few other hints in scripture that sort of senses that sort of gives us a sense that that in heaven or in paradise or in, in the afterlife, whatever you want to call it now, yeah. that they are somehow aware yeah. of what is yeah, going on. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And I, but I don't say that because we're meant to be in touch with them. Yeah. I don't, I don't think... No, I don't no. Think oh, we're, no, we're certainly not. I don't yeah, think we're yeah. supposed to be yeah, sitting there trying right. to meditate or no, contact no, the no, dead or anything not. like that. No. But I think there's a sense, and we'll get into this a little bit later on, the reason why I think this is a great topic of why we should be talking about it, because when you have a right thinking about what happens when we die... And where we go, it changes how you live today. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I, I make that point just to say, I guess that the, the idea, it's that, that there is a possibility there, you know, because we see that it happens. We, we see instances of that, yeah, in a sense, in, in scripture. So, um, so the thing, what we'll what we'll talk about now, I think, is just touch on the resurrection as as the final state. Yes. Um. Because we're talking about what happens to us individually. We've talked about general eschatology, like gen- yep. what is going to happen to the world. So let's uh, keep focused here. So, uh, and, and then we'll talk about heaven and hell. I think uh, we'll end Sounds there. Good. So uh, we have when Jesus returns, yep. uh, he will. Uh, it says in John chapter five, Jesus says, "Do not be amazed at this, for time is coming when all who are in their graves." will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. Yeah. Okay, So everyone will, will rise from the, day, the, from the graves. Now, you know, well, what if you're not in a grave? What if you've been cremated? Whatever. It, 
the, the point is, I mean, even if you're in the grave, your body is dissolved into the yes. ground anyway, whether, you've, whether it's been burnt or... Um, it is, by the way, the, the belief in the resurrection of the dead is behind the Christian preference for burial mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to a lot of other traditions which have favoured cremation, particularly those traditions that are more about the who, who would not see physicality as a desirable or good yes. thing. I.e. Hinduism is yep. a classic example where, mm-hmm. or even Buddhism, more of that Eastern type of thought where the body is to be shunned the practice of the, the 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 ancient practice of Hinduism and really good Hindu Hindu people today they try to burn that body as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's right. Because, because it's they, something to be done away with. Well, it's also because freeing the spirit. And yes, so forth. the yep. spirit gets to be able to be free, get reconnected to the soul, gets reincarnated quicker. Yep. If he can get rid of this body. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah, and, and so on. the you know burial was a way of you know respecting the fact that the body is still sacred. Yeah, and we're going to treat it with a sense of sacredness. Now, I, I don't think that's. You know, necessarily, you know, if you have relatives or whatever that have been cremated, or if you, you know, that's your preference. It's, yeah. it's. I, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. No. Uh, I'm just saying that that's what the Christian preference, Judeo-Christian preference, traditionally for burial, yeah. has been around this respect for the body. Yeah. You know. So uh, anyway, again, the point there's, is, there's nothing good or yeah, bad about that now. That's right. Like, you know, yeah. That's right. The point is um, that there we there is going to be this resurrection. Now, notice Jesus says that all. Uh, will rise Uh, and some who will rise uh, to be condemned and some will rise to live. Uh, Now, um, uh, then the great chapter on the resurrection is 1 Corinthians 15. I'm not going to read all of this, but to summarise it, he says that when Christ returns, we will all be raised from the dead and, um, and we will receive... Physical bodies, but spiritual in a sense. And the great model for this, because it refers to Christ as the first fruits of those who have risen from the dead. So it's really interesting to look at what Christ was like when he rose from the dead, that he was physical. He actually was able to eat with his disciples. They were able to touch. They were able to touch him. Handle him. That's right. And yet he seemed to be able to just turn up wherever he wanted, however he wanted. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> so, so there, there was some quality. So perhaps we can say that the resurrection body lacks many of the limitations that we have. Yeah. So it may, I think a good way to put it is that we will be so alive. Mm. I, this is true also of the intermediate state. We will be so alive then, it will make this feel like death yeah. by comparison. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, because many of the limitations of our mortal bodies will be yeah. transcended, both in the intermediate state and in the resurrection. And, body. and as you already mentioned, like the, the, the idea of your soul and your body working perfectly together and being yeah. one is, is, a, um, is, is such a beautiful thought. And it sort of infiltrates a lot of other religions and philosophy and worldviews and everything like that, whether it's chaos and, yeah. you know, or the yin and the, all these, I don't want yeah. to bring other things into it, but that, that there, what I'm saying is there is a, a desire built deep into the human body mm. for unity. Yeah. And I think that's because we experience yeah, right. disunity yeah. within ourselves. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And one day, as we see in Christ being, you know, you know, in that first fruit, but one day when we are finally resurrected physically all together and everything put together, we're going to experience that yeah. as well. Yeah, that's right. 
So this is this is where it's after the resurrection that we get this division. Yeah. Uh, this division between uh, heaven and hell, and the um, this is where we get to the judgment. So Matthew chapter 25 talks about the day of judgment, mm. the fact that all of us will stand before God and give an account. Yes. So um, it says in Matthew 25, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and the angels with him, he will sit in his heavenly throne, sit in his throne in heavenly glory. The nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And it says in verse 34, the king will say to those in his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Down in verse 41, it says, then, it's, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Mm. Verse 46, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So you get this great division here yeah. uh, into heaven and hell. Now, um, it also talks about this on the in Revelation, chapter 20. Um, it says here, I'll just read these few verses. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Okay, so there's the book and the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Wow. So, uh, in other words, death is done away with. Yeah. You know, completely. Uh, the lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Wow. Okay. Now, we're going to talk about the lake of fire. We're going to talk about... Uh, in fact, let's talk about hell now. Yeah. I think we'll talk about hell and then we'll talk about heaven. So That's we, a good idea. Um, now, um, uh, how will I go about this? Look, the, the first thing about the way that, that hell is, is spoken of throughout, and this is the, the, both um, the way that both heaven and hell is spoken of. There's a lot of symbolism and, and, and a lot of allusions to the fact that this is something that our present minds really can't quite grasp. Yep. Okay, so naturally language is used that is full of symbolism and, mm -hmm. and alluding to the fact that, you know. So, And look, the other my other general uh, feeling about this is that there is more mystery here than I think evangelicals have been want to recognise. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of mystery here. And I, and I read a... And it's been actually good to, to read some... I went, surveyed some um, systematic theology volumes... And it doesn't always get acknowledged, but I appreciate when it does. Yeah. You know, I, Wayne Grudem in his uh, systematic theology sort of admits, look, there's a lot of mystery here. We really yeah. don't know much, yeah. you know. And, and I think that's important to recognise. Mm. Um, what we do know is that if you reject God in this life, that is the worst possible thing that you can do because he is God. Mm. Like the magnitude mm -hmm. of that decision to actually deny the infinite eternal God yeah. to push God away yeah. and to deny his divine prerogative to is like the, it's just the worst thing you could ever do. Yeah. So um, to step out of this life into the next life having done that, the point of all of these passages is it's not gonna be good. Yeah. And I you know, there have been sort of mitigating explanations given for various ways in which hell is expressed mm -hmm. that I think try to take away the punch 
And I just don't think it does any service. I think, for example, I, Jesus spoke, alluded to hell a, a bit. I mean, he, he doesn't go into a lot of detail. Yeah. Uh, but the detail he goes into is pretty... But it's enough. There's enough. I mean, the, to say it's just not good. And yeah. he's actually, you know, it's no use providing an you know uh, explanation uh, that that takes away the punch because it was me- clearly meant to have a lot of punch in the context. So the so the unifying things that we know about, even, let's get even again. Not we're not trying to um, soften anything. Yeah. But let's talk about you know the final state. Yeah. Of of humanity. Yeah. And this is the final state of. There's two final states. There is yep. those who accept. God and what God says yep. about Jesus and yep. what you know who we yep. are, and then there are those who reject God. Yeah. Now that final state, if you want to call that hell, if you want to call that yep. everlasting punishment, whatever you want to call it, that final state we know is separation from God, eternal. Yep. You know. Yeah. But the, the other words that are used is everlasting, eternal. There's a lot of time words yeah, yeah, used yeah. about well, it as well. Let's, well, well, let, let's. Uh, I think that's an important point, so we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that. Maybe I'll just read a few of the okay. verses, uh, and then we'll we'll go through this yep, yep. Uh, in order. So, um, you know, Matthew ten: Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Uh, Matthew thirteen: This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. Now, what we're going to see, those two verses are a good example of two different ways in which the final state is spoken of. There are a number of verses where it's spoken of as destruction. Mm. Um, Even, you know, the lake of fire, like death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire. The idea is that they are... Gone once they're there. Yeah, completely, well, completely annihilated. Yes. Um, And and so there's been a, a sort of raging discussion in evangelical circles. So I'm not yep. talking about liberals. So I'm talking yep. about even within evangelical circles Yes. about uh, does, do these, does hell mean that we really suffer or are we annihilated? Mm. Okay. Now um, the, the, there are very clear indications that there is a sense of suffering here. Uh, there is, where there will be, Jesus says where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I, th- there's there are explanations to how these things actually can fit together in a moment. I'll, I'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but what is certain here is that there is a sense of, you know, there is a sense of suffering. Mark nine. Um, uh, uh, let me just look at the ones that are. Well, there are a number. I mean, talks about the rich man and Lazarus. Yes. Talks about him actually being in torment. I mean, he's having a con- conscious uh, experience. Mm. Um, All he uh, wants is that drop of yeah, water. Yeah, and on his I think stomach. that's that's enough examples of that because I mean, it only takes one example. But there are a number of examples where it is it is uh, pictured as as suffering. In fact, in um, even in the Book of Revelation, it yeah, talks about it talks about yeah, that's right, punishment so, and suffering. Uh, if anyone. Uh, Revelation 14, a third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast in the image, receives the mark, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the lamb, and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image. So the, I, I mean, this is, oh, this is heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't want to be too theoretical uh, about this. Uh, but the point is here is that um, 
there, there is a conscious experience. And the interesting thing, it's not just a matter of the absence of God. Often we talk about how it's just the absence of good things. Yeah. Actually, there is the presence actually of God's wrath or anger here, that you actually there's a sense of suffering the, from the fact that you have grieved God. Yeah. And so there, there is the, the, yeah. the presence of, it's not only what is absent, yes, it's goodness and light and all of the absence of that. Because even in this life, mm. even if, if you reject God with all your might consciously in this life, mm. you still live with, with good, God's goodness. You're still yeah. benefiting from God's goodness. Whereas all of that will be taken away yeah. uh, in the next, because you have chosen. Uh, and again, this is, God doesn't cast people into hell. We we choose that we have been yep. given the right to self-determine mm. so uh, it's not really right to talk uh, about uh, you know ultimately this is what god wants because the scriptures clearly say god wants everyone to be saved Amen. right Amen. and he, he couldn't have done more than what he has done to give people the opportunity uh, to be saved so um now, there's still questions that a lot of people uh, will ask and i'll try to answer most of those for example what about uh, if you've never even heard about Jesus. Yeah. Um, well, uh, this is why often I say that hell is for those who reject God. Um, uh, I don't think we can categorically, because I, the, the death of Christ and what Christ did, in de- uh, Christ's sacrifice on the cross, makes it possible for everyone to be saved. Now, you know, think of the newborn baby and whatever that, you know, never had a chance to hit. You know what? In the end, or, or the person off in some remote remote pl- that never, ever heard about, no, no, you, you know, we just have to leave that to God. I, I don't mm. think we can say, well, they nest, that they go to hell because, yeah. you know, that they never got a chance to. No, I, I don't think. Uh, I think the death of Christ makes it possible for them, depending on how they... Um, Go with what they do yep. know, or what how God has dealt with them. Even I mean, even if we even if we use the language of Revelation, look, God's got His books. Yeah, about everybody, about yeah, every right. soul, yeah. every 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 entity, every every human being that God has breathed the breath of life in. He is keeping a record of. He yeah, knows that's right. Intimately, yeah. and what are in those books? It's not up to us. We know there's a Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah. We know that very simply. But there's other books there. How that fleshes out, it's not. It's not. Yeah, that's right. We're not the judge. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, um, so I think uh, I think that's an that's an important point. Um, is that, and and I've said it often before. I think when we get to heaven, we will see that God was way more gracious than we ever thought. Mm. You know, I, I think it's more possible. You know, well, the fact that you and I will be there, yeah, we'll that's be right. that that's, that'll be that'll be a start. <laughs> Let's talk about again about the, the, the so. Um, on the one hand, we're dealing with, with this issue. On the one hand, there are verses that talk about destruction. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got these other verses that talk about uh, punishment. Punishment. Okay, so how, how do these eternal. things fit together? Yeah. Let's let's just first of all talk about the duration. And um, there are within there's a bit of a debate. It's kind of an evolving debate in evangelical circles about um, the duration of this experience you know there there are some who want to lean towards the annihilation side and say that um they're who want to interpret all of those verses in terms of annihilation okay yeah um and they would also uh 
and and then there's some debate over the word uh, that is translated everlasting or eternal because mm. actually uh, it doesn't always necessarily mean infinite. Yes. You know, an infinite amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can mean lifelong or enduring or... Um, now, uh, or we could say permanent. It could, it could talk about a permanent state. Yes. Yes. You know, so we talk about eternal life. It's permanent. It's an irreversible permanent state. Okay. Mm, yeah. So I think, I think that's the best way to think about eternal is that it's permanent. There's a permanence to it. Yes. Uh, now, some people ask the question, will there be a second chance? You know, and the fact is, is that there is nothing in the Bible like absolutely zilch in the Bible to yeah. even suggest that there will be a second chance. In fact, it's, it's, it's it the, opposite. the opposite. It's the opposite it, every it, time. It looks like that there isn't a second chance. Yeah. And, and the use of the word eternal yeah. would suggest that it's permanent. Yeah. The, and again, not, not that there is a second chance, but the book of Revelation, again, we're gonna, I'm keeping coming back to the book of Revelation because that's what we're just soaked yeah, yeah, in yeah. at the moment. It, the, the point of that, the point of the book of Revelation is that God is gracious and giving people yeah. not just second chances, a yeah. hundred chances, yeah. you know, like while they're while they're living yeah. to come to Him, and yeah. we and and man's heart without the Holy Spirit, without Christ, yeah. without the rejects God entirely every yeah. time, yeah. and so, you know, I think we, when we think of second chances, we we tend to think only about after we've died. What about all the second chances that happened? <laughs> Yeah, while we were living, you know, yeah, type of thing. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. Um, so, getting back to the uh, eternal bit, I mean, one of the things that that is, um, th- there are some problems with thinking uh, about hell. Let's just get into the guts of this for yeah. a moment. One of the big things is the is the depiction of hell yeah. in um, in chick tracks. <laughs> I was, okay. my favorite, I was thinking slightly higher culture than that. In my but, favorite gospel chick tracks. What are you talking yeah. about? Uh, well, but, you, but you could go into yeah, but you know look, you go go to you know particularly in Europe and you go to these yeah. cathedrals and I yeah. mean we're at the Duomo in Florence recently and in the dome you, know, you can walk around in the dome and at the base of the dome there are these massive depictions of people being tortured by demons in yeah. hell. Yeah. Um, you got and, Dante's Inferno. You've got all of the yeah, Milton. You know, got all right. of these. Dante's Inferno. You know, is, is is a classic. You know, depiction of you know, going to all of these levels of hell and, and yeah. these people being, you know, tormented and tortured and and th- there's there's a you know, there's there's a kind of a mythologic and often it's they're littered with mythological creatures and so forth. So I think first of all there's there's a problem there's a problem there. It it makes God seem uh like this um well, well, it bring, it, sort it, it, of cruel well it's uh, got a very old sadistic well, not only that. Even the worst thing that I think, even even sometimes people think that God has something to do with that. But what I think is even worse is the modern idea of hell being Satan's about. Like that's Satan's about. Yeah. Heaven is where God lives. Hell is where Satan yeah. lives. And if you go down and, to where yeah, Satan, that's right. And Satan that comes is, from Greek mythology, basically the idea yeah. of Hades as the yeah. as the you know god of the underworld. And, and every cartoon under the sun, like yeah. every cartoon, yeah, we that's see right. a character falling into hell, and there's Satan yeah. checking so him Satan in. So Satan is yeah. going to hell. He doesn't live in hell. Yeah, exactly. That's the uh, so. Um, but look, I mean, a, a lot of that artwork is is based on uh, valid biblical uh, 
references to a state of torment, yeah. you know. And and it's 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 not really uh, about physical torment because the devil and 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 the demonic world go there and they are non-physical beings. Okay? Yeah. So there's some kind of state of spiritual kind of torment, even though there is a resurrection, uh, there is a resurrection of the body. So yeah. we, we don't rule that out. But um, uh, but the, the, the issue I think for a lot of people is just the concept of everlasting torment. Um, and it just doesn't seem to a lot of people, it just doesn't seem just. And, yeah. and I, you know, I get that. It's mm. like, but forever and ever and ever. Um, and so the, the discussion in evangelical circles around this has, um, I guess, challenged some of those traditional ideas of forever and ever and ever. Uh, some people want to say, look at the verses that talk about destruction. It's annihilation. It's not, it's not torment. Yeah. Uh, others will talk about torment. Uh, an interesting sort of mediating position I think that's becoming more prominent is an is a idea that kind of brings both of those things and I think reconciles both these things is the idea that it's eternal in the sense that it's a permanent state, but there might be a period of suffering followed by a state of annihilation. So you get destruction ultimately, yeah. but there is a sense of... Because it's based on ideas uh, of degrees of punishment. You know, Jesus indicates, and in the New Testament indicates that there will be degrees of punishment depending on yep. you know uh, on the lives that we live. And it also depends. So, it also depends uh, a lot to what you think about the layout. And I use that you know in a very visual sort of sense. Yep. Layout of how the final eschatology of the Book of Revelation you know, goes like what happens when, how many years is it, you know, a lot of yeah. people, I know a lot of people have, have brought those ideas around hell and annihilation together with, oh, there's a millennium, there's a this, there's a judgment, there's an ultimate judgment, there's another, you know, yeah. there's a, there's, and it's again, we don't, yeah, but yeah. The, the, the discussion around hell though is really, is mainly about that final yes. state after yes. everything, yep. you yep. know, right yep. at the end. Yep. So, I mean, like I think the the degrees of punishment could refer to intensity, um, but but I, I think the idea of duration actually um, is, uh, you know, I I think that there may be, I think it's possible actually that there may be varying duration. I, I'm just saying I think it's I think it's a possibility. Yeah. It's it's certainly that that explanation is not something that can be easily ruled out. I would mm. say that. Okay. So. Um, uh, I'm, and, and I'm still thinking about this myself, as I've because mm. I, I mean I read a whole a whole lot of stuff, and as I said, it's an evolving discussion. Yeah, and and the other and the other yeah. thing is the other thing I want to in the capstone this just so people don't go, hang on, Matt, what are you doing? Are you walking out onto some sort of you know no no tightrope there yeah. of 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 traditional where you go? Well, actually, if you did a bit of a historical study and yeah. saw what the church yeah. even taught yeah. about the hell yeah. and what it meant. Yeah. Over the last two thousand years, you might be surprised of all the different yeah, yeah, different yeah. views that some of the some of the you know the forebearers that we look up yeah, to, yeah, particularly in the early church fathers, there are there are quite different qu- views quite there. different views of hell yeah. and what it means, you know, and how how severity yeah. it is and everything. So, like so that. I think you know I think it's it's a valid discussion. I think we can put question marks up about this, and you know, 
and, and this is where, you know, we talked in the last episode about, you know, fault, what counts as false teaching. What, you know, the fact that there is a hell, I think if you, if you discard even the fact that there is a hell or if there is a heaven or if you know, they're the fundamentals. Yes. Once we get into the details, um, you know, we, we can, we can recognize, we can recognize and have differences of opinion and, and, you know, put things up for question. Like, you know, if you put up for question, that Jesus died to pay for our sins. I mean, it's just not up for question no. in terms of, um, in terms of the Bible. Yes, but I, but I think there is a lot of mystery around um, the nature of hell, like a heap of mystery yeah. around the nature of hell. And in the end, I think we need to rest back on the fact that God is just. Amen. And that God is good. Amen. And so, the question to get it back to the beginning: What's going to happen to my friend? who, you know, didn't believe in God, they're a really, really good person, um, as good as anyone else, one might say. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm just saying how it's often put. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's going to happen to them? Well, look, for a start, there really aren't any good people. I mean, for a start, we, you know, we, we either let God be our God or we reject God. Yeah. And, and as I've said, it is a serious thing. Um, you know, as the scriptures say, it's a it's a, a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Yeah. Once we have rejected God, so it's not about moral stuff. It's right. it's not about whether I've lived morally or not. The question is, did you deny God's claim on you, or did you entrust your life to God? Because we have the opportunity to do that in yeah. Christ, right? So, yeah. um, so that becomes uh, all important. But beyond that. We need to rest back on the justice of God, that God is not going to do anything that is unjust. Okay. And and the fact is, when we when we die and go to heaven, I mean this some people also ask, are we going to be aware of hell or or something? But there is going to be an acceptance. And in fact, what we see in the book of Revelation is is the church in heaven rejoicing over the judgments that God was bringing on the earth because there is a sense of the justice of that. It's just, okay. Yeah. Now again. God is not wanting anyone to perish. So there is something about that that is yes. undesirable, okay? Even for God, he is grieved over that. Mm. And yet it is just. Mm. And yet God will be just in the end. And mm. and we have to rest back on that. You know, yeah. we have to say I'm going to trust that God will do what is right. And we, and we can and that is a a total rest in that. There is a total rest yeah. that we a total burden off our shoulders. Yeah. But I want to I want to finish as we wrap up the episode right now. Yeah, you know, as we wrap up the show, as we yeah. wrap up this uh, discussion of what happens when we die, for those of us who who know Jesus and and we are, you know, we are saved by Christ and we are born again. Whatever the expression yeah. you want to use, terminology that you want to know, use that we are we are God's mm. God's own. When we die, we we are with in paradise with Him. Yeah, right. And the ultimate fulfillment. One day will be resurrected bodies yeah. and life with life yeah. with God. Yeah. That instead of again, I'm gonna I'm gonna sound sound like I'm being Pollyanna with uh, rose, yeah. wanting to be rose colored glasses here. Yeah. If we spend some time, you look at Paul, and he just is constantly bringing that point up. Yeah. Guys, this is where we're headed. Yeah. And it should change how we live now. Yeah. And it should change what we're living for, because. Not to bring introduce an entirely different, you know, thought into the thing. I really worry sometimes that today's church 
is really concerned about having heaven on earth now. Mm. You know, we are supposed to have God's blessings now. God, come down to me now. And, of course, that's only possible for us tiny percent, (laughs) you know, who live in the Western countries who can create heaven on earth at the expense of everyone else. And we are... And it's such an emptiness thinking that we can be somehow fulfilled here or build an empire here or have anything yep. of anything, any value here yep. apart from Christ and what he is going to do yeah, in the future. Yeah, that's right. And, and this is where I think it's good to, to finish uh, on this note and talk about heaven because um, we are not going to realize how broken this world is and how broken we are until we actually are restored. It's like, it's you know, we can think, oh, this is pretty good. Well, well, look, I mean, first of all, I think there's a problem with our situation in that we have the resources and, and it's a blessing and it is a blessing in some sense that we, we, we don't experience the suffering that most human beings down through history have experienced. We are in a tiny percentage yeah. uh, of people. I mean, we have, you know, we have won some kind of, uh, this is bad, I, 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 I'm just going to reverse I read an author, a, a non-Christian author, that's yeah. talked about us winning the cosmic lottery in yeah. the West. Yeah. And while I don't think there's chance to it, no. um, nevertheless, I think his point is valid in that we are very fortunate. Yeah. We are very, very fortunate as people born into this country at this time. Yeah. But the problem is, is that we can have delusions about this being some kind of heaven yeah. because it's still really, really broken and you know when you need to realize that those and and you know i want to say this to those who have been bereaved um those who have seen loved ones die uh and who have gone to be with the lord have gone to be with jesus you need to know they are it's not their lives that is finished it's death that's finished for them yeah and they are actually more alive than you are right now Amen. Those people are more alive than you are right now. Mm. They probably think about what you are in right now and they would see that as death <laughs> compared to what they are experiencing, right? Yep. Yep. And they are looking forward to you coming into their life, right? Yep. It's like, you know what I mean? Because yep. we think, oh, they've passed into death. Mm. No, no, they've passed into life. Mm. We here and now, we are in death yep. right now. Okay, so... We just need to flip that. This is where we need to take the biblical vision of heaven Amen. seriously. Amen. So they are experiencing a joy the like of which is just not even possible given our broken capacities. Mm. They are seeing and hearing things that the mind cannot fathom mm. the the wonder of. Okay. As Paul said, they have experienced the ultimate gain. Yeah, that's right. The ultimate they, gain. The, the All ul- of the limitations yeah. of our human f- uh, mortality mm. uh, have have been left behind, mm-hmm. uh, and they are experiencing, in a very immediate sense, the presence of God. Mm. And and even, and that's now. That's just now in the intermediate state. Right mm. now, after the resurrection, when we are all resurrected and we live in a new heavens and the new earth, think of all that is good about. You know, think about you know walking along a beautiful top, you know, look cliff top, and looking at the mountains and the ocean and the you know, and the sunset and and th- that feeling of beauty that you have, times that by a million, <laughs> and, and you have 
you have a renewed creation, like yeah. this sense of not not going and living in a, in a in a platonic spiritual heaven with harps in the clouds. No. Uh, let's put that away, because God is going to renew the earth. Yeah, uh, the, you know, this was made for our, and our we, dwelling place. And the other thing forever. to remember the the final the final. You talk about the intermediate stage, what happens now when we die, but after that final judgment, resurrection, everything, the final, the, you know, the final, yeah. uh, you know, stage, as it were, of eternity, God makes it pretty clear that we have got purpose. Yeah. We have got jobs to do. Yeah. We've got ultimate, you know, things to be done and we're going to be useful in a yeah. way that we've never yeah, that's felt right. before. Yeah. And there's this beautiful, you know, as and I spend a lot of time imagining this. This is, to me... This is the most beautiful thing to think about. To me, to think about that my feet will walk on this earth. Again, we need to get beyond the platonic thing, like we're going to be yep. floating in the no. clouds in some dreamy state. No, no. no. We are going to be more con- This is the dreamy state that yeah. we're in right now, yeah. right? Seriously. I mean, we are going to be – our Amen. awareness Amen. Uh, and, and is going to be magnified, mm. you know, greatly. And, and even – you know, there's a. I think it's in Isaiah. Where it talks about the glory, the glory of God covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. Yeah. You know, the presence of God is going to be so immediate mm. and tangible mm. in a new heavens and the new earth. It will exude mm. from everything. You know, so there will be this sense of, and that's the main joyful thing about it is the sense of the presence of God. It's not just the beauty of creation and the the, the perfection of the way that we relate to each other, uh, the presence of love for each other. All of that will be there, okay? The wonder of creation, the presence of love, perfect human community. It's the presence of God that is going to be the most amazing. Now, now I, I, I continue to experience tastes of the joy of God's presence in this life. And for me, you know, there have been times where it has flattened me, where it has been overwhelming, right? The joy Mm. of God, the joy of God's presence. But for me to think that that is just a taste, right? Just a taste of of what is to come, Mm. you know, that causes Paul to say, it's gain. Mm. You know, to, to, to die is gain. Why? Because... Death is finished because this life is going to be like death compared with the life to come. And this idea that in a new heavens, not only in the intermediate state, not only when we go to be with the Lord, not only I mean the presence of God there, we will have that then. Mm. Um, but on into eternity in a new heavens and new, new earth, the idea that we will live in the presence of God and know that joy, to me, it is worth everything and anything that we might have to do, forsake, whatever. It's like, make sure that you have entrusted your life to Jesus because whatever the cost, it is infinitely outweighed by the joys of knowing him and what is to come. Thanks for listening to Thrive Perspectives. We want to hear from you, so send us your big questions and ideas. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, download other shows, see all of our resources and much, much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. 
Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visiting the website, ratethispodcast.com slash Thrive Perspectives really helps us reach more people. So head to ratethispodcast.com slash Thrive Perspectives. We hope that these shows will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.